All right, so my day job right now, I'm working summer camp, and this kid, he comes into camp every day. He has a gelled mohawk. It looks sick. His name, I'm not going to say his name because yeah, he's a child. But anyways, he comes up to me this morning. I get there. I'm like, hey, how you doing today, buddy? And he's good. I'm good. I'm good. Check this out. And then he takes his thumb, and he just bends his thumb out. He's double-jointed or whatever, and just bends his thumb out. In the w- it looks so weird. And I don't know how I'm supposed to respond to that. I just said... That's so cool, buddy. It was it was awesome, but it was kind of weird at the same time. But it's cool that he thinks it's like a party trick. And one of the other uh, counselors said, like, you don't need to bring anything in for show and tell because you that just got that true. trick. You always got that one in the back pocket. And that's just a nice little way to get us in. We're back on top of the hill. Let's go. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Top of the Hill. I'm your host, Logan Hill, joined by my friend and co-host, Tyler Kirk. Tyler, how we doing today? I'm good. I'm tired. How are Me you? Me too. But we grind. And do you want to know why we grind? Why is that? Because it's draft week. Yes, NBA sir. draft week. We got a great interview coming up for you a little bit later in the show with our first ever recurring guest, our friend Brandon Simberg of Busting Brackets, former classmate of mine at Maryland, goes to Illinois now, covers all their sports teams. He got us wised up, told us everything we needed to know ahead of this draft on Thursday, and really just a lot of knowledge. So hopefully you guys enjoy that interview because we had a lot of fun doing it, and I feel like I left it learning a lot. Do you feel the same? Oh, yeah. He's very knowledgeable. He talks really well. He knows his stuff about basketball, that's for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, we do our best, but he's our source when it comes to college basketball stuff because he knows his stuff for sure. He's been doing tons of great work on it. I've been watching it all the way, and I knew I wanted him to come back for draft week. So happy we were able to get him. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Let's start and let's talk some NFL news, something that we haven't really talked about a lot lately because it's the offseason. But it's finally heating up now to the point where there's storylines. And let's start with the biggest storyline of the offseason, the Aaron Rodgers saga, one that I know kind of hits close to home for you, being an Aaron Rodgers guy, being a little bit of a Packers guy. Basically, what I've come to understand is he's agreed to come back and play out one more year Mm -hmm. with the Green Bay Packers. They made an agreement where the rest of his contract will void after this season. And before we just go back and forth on it, how are you feeling about that? It's a last dance. That's what him and Devontae Adams and Robert Tunyon posted on their Instagram <laughs> stories. Um, I don't know. Honestly, so my whole thought process throughout this whole thing was that Aaron Rodgers is not a bluff. So I really thought he was either going to retire or just hold out. Um, yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I think it really is the last dance. I don't think he's going to come back at all after this season I think he's either going to retire or go to another team I guess it depends on how this season plays out maybe if he wins the Super Bowl like even if he wins the Super Bowl this year I don't think he comes back really Which is, yeah I think he's or that pissed off you don't think he comes back to the Packers, to the Packers yeah, yeah. yeah but like maybe if he wins the Super Bowl he just retires yeah it goes I out mean, on top yeah, and well that's the thing now. and we have it in here in the notes is Devontae Adams has one year yeah. left on his deal so he could go his separate ways as well mm-hmm. and just if Okay, if Rodgers plays this year and moves on to somewhere else, where would you see? Where would you like to see him go? I think there's a couple great places. Um, Washington, I think, will be really interesting. Of course, I have a little bias, but I think they're a great destination. I think they could be a quarterback away. I think the Broncos could be a great destination. The Dolphins, possibly, if um, t- you know Tua doesn't work out there. I think there's definitely going to be a lot of options for him. 
And, of course, a lot of teams are going to want him regardless. The question is, like, what does Devontae Adams do? Like, will he go wherever Aaron Rodgers goes? Will he go to the Raiders and reunite with Derek Carr, his former college quarterback? Yeah, well, it's crazy you put that out there because my gears were just spinning kind yeah. of on the same thing is – Devontae Adams on a free agent, everybody's going to want oh, him. Yeah. Everybody's going to He's try to throw their name in the room. What, like mid-20s? 26, 27 maybe? Devontae Adams. I don't know. He is 28 years old, 28, so still yeah. a lot left in the tank. And yep. I want to also mention Aaron Rodgers. What Tom Brady has done mm-hmm. in, the, in his plus 40 years as a quarterback has pretty much opened limitless doors for Rodgers to continue playing if he chooses to after this last yeah. this last go at it in Green Bay. Who's not going to take a swing on him if you need a quarterback, if you don't have a quarterback? Mm-hmm. And I think he looks at the t- Tom Brady situation. Like, the Buccaneers were just a quarterback away from being a contender, and they won the Super Bowl last year. If you look at it, they had all the pieces. They had a great defense. Um, they Their line was a little shaky, but they drafted a great offensive lineman. Um, they, they, you know, they already had Leonard or no, I'm sorry. Um, uh, Ronald Jones. And then yes. they signed Leonard Fournette. They had the wide receivers there. They signed Gronk. They already had two other great tight ends. Like they had all the pieces around them and then they brought in Tom Brady. And so I think, Aaron Ro- yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers is probably going to do that type of situation as well. Yeah. So, I mean, just talking about Aaron Rodgers, obviously an established long-term great quarterback in this league. Let's talk about another guy who's in a little bit of a dispute with his team and is still building his young career, honestly, is Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. And I, I butchered that. Let me restart. <laughs> Deshaun Watson. That sounds better. He is reporting to camp to avoid the fines after he's been holding mm-hmm. out, after all all the rumors that have been swirling, everything that's happening. Houston has just now kind of come out and said that they're open to trading him. Mm-hmm. What does a trade package for Deshaun Watson look like? See, I was kind of thinking about that earlier because without all the allegations and, you know, this whole big saga that's going on off the field, I mean, it would take a lot, like a massive haul, probably one of the biggest we've ever seen in the NFL. Um, but with all of this, does Houston settle for less? You know what I mean? That's like, a good point. Do they – apparently they're really high on their third-round quarterback, Davis Mills, out of Stanford that they drafted. But it's like, what if you offered, you know, just uh, – like the Dolphins, for example, if they offered Tua and – Well, let's, let's pause yeah, for we'll, a second because we'll we forgot to mention it. While we were prepping for the show, it came out on ESPN yeah. Breaking News that – Xavier Howard, the Pro Bowl cornerback for the Dolphins, wants to be traded. Mm-hmm. So, like you, you were suggesting a package of maybe him and Tua and a pick. Would yeah. that be enough to swing Deshaun to Miami? But then you also have to consider: Would the Texans really want to trade him to the AFC? Yeah, you exactly. know what I mean. Yeah, so it's a lot that goes into it. Apparently, they've already received off- offers from him or for him, but none that have been like good enough to even consider. So. Yeah, I, mean, I, I really don't know what's what's next for Deshaun. I don't know what's next for Houston. And it's going to be – things are going to heat up even more than they already have mm-hmm. once August rolls around next week. And it's just – it's very, very interesting to see what looked like he was going to be the franchise yeah. guy there for forever until he finished his playing days. And now they could just be back to square one pretty much Yeah, I mean, and you have to think about, like, other teams. Are they that willing to, you know, risk trading? I mean, he's a great quarter – top five – quarterback arguably in the league and he's only you know in his early 20s but it's like can you take that risk 
with everything with, with everything, everything that's, that's going swirling on, yeah. around him still because yeah. that hasn't been resolved. Exactly, so I, I get so. what you mean on that. But let's let's talk some other NFL news and. I'm going to ask you to kind of educate me on this as best you can because I don't personally know a lot about it, but the COVID vaccine dilemma is starting to become a bigger deal in NFL mm-hmm. circles. With, uh, I believe it came out last week. It said if a player, if a team has to forfeit a game due to players being ineligible, mm-hmm. ineligible due to COVID, they don't get to make it up. They don't get to make yeah. it up. It's just a forfeited loss mm-hmm. on their schedule. And this has caused like a lot of animosity around the league. And just take me through it in your eyes, if you could. <sighs> Well, first off, did you see the Bills players? It was like Cole Beasley and an uh, offensive lineman. They were tweeting back and forth at each other. I did not see that, but I did yeah, see was... Cole Beasley come out a while ago and say that yeah, like, it was his choice not yeah. to do it, and he was going to stand by his yeah. choice. I don't know. It, it's really crazy because I don't know. I, I think there was already an assistant coach that retired, but I couldn't find his name quickly before we started this. But I have no idea. I don't know how it's going to play out because – if so with their rules right now where like you just said if you know they have to for, like you know they're gonna have to forfeit a game if a couple players have uh covid i i, yeah. I really don't uh, know it's a it's a head scratcher yeah. to be honest sorry with i just you. had a no, I, I just know. I don't know. What I don't it know is. how it's and gonna play out. Something just funny worth noting, and I I forget where I saw this, but it it said that like players are unsure to get the vaccine because they mm-hmm. don't know what it'll do to their bodies. Mm-hmm. They play football at the <laughs> professional level. Yeah. So I don't know. But the get the vaccine, don't get the vaccine. Yeah. It's really it really is your choice. It's your decision to make. But they're I think they're throwing out fines now too. Like. Had, uh, who was it? Bruce Arians. I think he said he was going to find his players. If For not. Didn't. And yeah. that opens up a whole nother wormhole. Yeah, so it's, it's about crazy. to get trickier and stickier. Yeah. It's just going to be it's going to be something that doesn't go away and it could rear its ugly head. But my question lot. is, why is the NFL the only league so far that have implemented this rule? Yeah, well, like, I don't know. No I was just kind of thinking has. about the same thing. Is Also, at the same time, why is there such a... Why is it such a divisive subject in, yeah. in the NFL, whereas in the NBA, it doesn't seem that way. And they're a lot closer to each other. I mean, well. It, I don't know. Mean, just in the NBA, it seems like they do pretty. They did pretty yeah. well. They were able to have a f- full season. Most places were able to bring back fans with COVID mm-hmm. pre- precautions in place. If it, the model worked for that professional league, you have to try it in the NFL, right? Maybe it's because there's way more people in the field. I mean, it's 22 yeah. compared to 10. I don't know. I don't know what the. I'm not sure. I just know that it will. It's not going to be something that goes away, yeah. and you just hope that it doesn't have team-jeopardizing, league-jeopardizing effects moving mm-hmm. forward. And I just – I really don't know what the right answer to how to deal with this moving mm-hmm. forward is because at the end of the day, it does come down to a personal choice that in a lot of people's minds affects them more than just as an athlete, more than just as a player. It's your choice as a human being whether or not you want to do it. And if you don't want to do it, that's fine. But if your league is subjecting you, saying, like – this is what we need to do to move forward, then of course that's where the yeah. the standoff is going to mm-hmm. occur, and we're seeing it happen. But I don't know. I don't really have anything else more on that. Do you have any other NFL news to get to? I have one more thing on the NFL we can talk about. What's but, up? Uh, I want to talk about some of the things I've heard about Lamar this week. Oh, jeez. Is Lamar uh, working towards a contract extension, him and Josh Allen? I haven't heard much on that. He's nego- Lamar is negotiating without an agent. So, oh, you, is he? Yeah, you would hope to see... Hopefully he will sign his deal before Josh Allen signs his because if Josh Allen signs his first, that makes Lamar, Lamar's, Lamar's deal that up. much harder. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. But also I saw that 
He's planning if he ever wins a Super Bowl with the Ravens, he's going to switch from number eight to number one. And while that would be so cool, I did it with one of my Madden franchises with Lamar. I changed him to number one, gave him the arm sleeves, the black visor. He was all dripped out. I just got to know why. The yeah. eight has become iconic, iconic for him. Yeah. I just don't know. And just what is your – with? we talked about it on an old, old episode about just the players changing numbers is – do you see it as just kind of a weird move to already have a single-digit number and just change to a different one for yeah, Lamar? I don't really understand it because, I mean, you and I were talking about earlier, he wore eight in college. He wore eight in high school, too, so I don't really so know. I think he wore seven in high school. But, oh, yeah, well, seven, yeah, yeah, I think right. he said that one was his first ever number, and something about his dad uh, told him, like, get number one because it means you're the best, and uh, he tries enough. to live by that. Fair I enough. just think it's an interesting little but tidbit. I do. Season. If he's going to do that, I do like his – um, process of like he wants to win a Super Bowl first and then he wants to earn it basically yeah he wants to earn it yeah with I that, like that yeah with that being said I don't have a whole lot more on the NFL uh, me Kevin our graphics guy mm-hmm. and then our buddy from Total Talk Jason we're all gonna go to Ravens training camp at M&T Bank Stadium this weekend I'm gonna try to put together I don't know unless they shut me down but I'm gonna try to put together some live tweets like some tweet threads or whatever mm-hmm. for Top of the Hill on the Twitter. If you want to check those out on Saturday, go right ahead. Hopefully we see some cool stuff. There's also supposed to be a fireworks show. Maybe I'll get a video of that and put it up there. <laughs> Who's to say? The sky is the limit. With that being said, let's turn. Let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit of draft, and then we'll get to our interview with Brandon. Is The draft is this Thursday. You should be listening to this on Wednesday. We're recording Tuesday night. We just got off the phone with Brandon. Great, great interview. I'm so excited for you guys to hear that. But with that being said... Who's the guy you're most excited to see get drafted into the NBA? Mm. For me, it's Cade. Probably. And I know that's yeah. like an overrated like uh, consensus. Like Everyone wants to see it. I just want to see Cade Cunningham play yeah. at the NBA level. I'd probably say either Jalen Suggs or Davion Mitchell. Um, I fell in love with Davion Mitchell when I was watching him uh, in March Madness just because of his hustle, his play. I think he's just – I mean, well, you know, Brandon talks about him a little bit yeah. in the interview, but – I think he's going to be a really good role player. I don't think he's going to be a star. Jalen Suggs, I think, has the potential of being a star in the NBA. So I'm really excited to see where he lands. Absolutely. And then the last thing, and then I'll push us along to our interview with Brandon, is let's do a little bit of a mid-episode Top of the Hill takes type thing. Is How many trades do you think there will be Mm. one draft night? Let's let's do an over-under. Let's say over-under... 12 total trades. Is that that's first and second round? They do it they all do in it, one night, okay. so. Um, 12 total trades over under. Just on I'm draft gonna, night, not ones that have been made already, yeah, 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 yeah. not ones that get I'm gonna made. I'm going to say over cuz I, I think, think a lot happened in 12 round. 12 does feel like a low number, but yeah. I felt like we had to say something, yeah, so. Yeah, that's fair. I'm going to say over 12. Yeah. Over 12 trades happen. That being said, let's get to our interview with Brandon. Like I said, Brandon Simberg, great guy, our first ever recurring guest on top of the hill. I'm going to put that interview in right here. He had a lot to say, and he taught us a lot. Hey, Brandon. Uh, thanks for coming back on Top of the Hill. You're our first ever recurring guest. Good to have you back, man. How are you doing? I'm good, man. That's that's an honor. I didn't know that statistic, so it's an <laughs> honor to be back, and I'm excited. NBA drafts like my favorite time of the year, so excited for the draft on Thursday. Yeah, so I mean, we had a um, we did an interview last week with some people we know from high school that were doing some fly fishing, and I knew the draft was coming up, so I, I wanted to reach out. We had to get you back, and I know you've been doing tons of work about the draft and around the draft. I figured you'd be the perfect person to talk to about it. 
Yeah, man, I'm excited to talk some draft. Yeah, so let's start. Let's start at the top of the draft. The person everybody wants to know about. I want to know what is your what is your take on Cade Cunningham? Is he supposed to be the next LeBron? What's kind of the deal there? And also, what does it mean for Detroit? Granted, they make that pick. Yeah, so I think Cade is Cade Cunningham is a well deserved number one pick. He was my number one in my preseason board. You know, I thought his high school film was phenomenal, and he didn't do anything for me to kind of lose that spot. I I think that, you know I don't think he's maybe on the level of like a LeBron or Anthony Davis type of number one pick, but I think he's maybe in that next tier like a maybe like a Zion. Although Zion was actually really good um, this year, so maybe he's not a Zion level number one pick, but he's probably like a Ben Simmons level. Like I think Cade is going to enter the league as a a lead playmaker. Like he can play point guard, you can put him off the ball, and he can do a bunch of different things. And I think he'll he'll be a he'll make the pist if he, assuming he goes to the Pistons he'll make them better right away. I think long term he's a multi time All Star. Could he be the best guy on a title team? Maybe he needs to work on. He's not super athletic and he doesn't have the best handle, but he could be a the best player on a playoff team for sure. Cool. And uh, is there anyone in this draft that you have like a dream scenario for? So like. like- uh, uh, a team have, fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best team fit or something like that. I really like Jalen Suggs to Toronto at four, if that manifests itself. You know, the Raptors might move on from Kyle Lowry this offseason, so Suggs can kind of be the next point guard in line. And they they have a really good track record of development. You look what they've done over the years with guys like Pascal Siakam, who was the 27th pick and blossomed into an all-star. If you take Suggs, who's already super talented, as kind of the next in line to Kyle Lowry, and he's just a competitor. He's a winner. You know, we saw it in the NCAA tournament. I think Suggs is a winning guy who's entering a winning organization. That's one of my favorite kind of dream fits that it's realistic. I think Suggs will go for to Toronto. Absolutely. And then just to kind of shift to some guys that weren't necessarily coming out of college, what can you tell me about these prospects that are coming from the G League? Because this is kind of the first year where that's in place. Yeah, I think the, the G League Ignite was actually really good for development. You know, watching Jalen Green in high school versus then watching him at the end of the G League season, like he got more athletic even, more he got stronger. His, he just had a better feel for the game. So Jalen Green is the best G League Ignite prospect. I have him number three on my board, but it's looking like he'll go number two to the Rockets. That's kind of what the experts think is going to happen right now. And Suggs is kind of in the mold of a Zach Levine. He's an athletic scoring guard that can fill it up from all over the floor. The other big G League Ignite prospect is Jonathan Kuminga. He's five on my board. He had a, he kind of had an up and down year in the G League, but he's super big. He's athletic. He's super young. If he learns how to shoot, I think he can become a more viable prospect. Uh, I think his range probably starts around five to Orlando. And I could see him falling to Orlando at the eighth spot as well. So those are the two big names. And two guys in my second round are Isaiah Todd, uh, stretch forward, and Dyson Nix, a point guard. I think Todd, I have Todd in the early 30s. He's kind of a younger stretch four who, if he figures out how to play the game a little bit better, he could be a valuable role player. But if not, um, he still has a floor to shoot. And then Dyson Nix, I don't love – he'd probably go in the 50s. He's a pass-first point guard that needs to work on his athleticism. So those are the four big – those are the four G League Ignite prospects. Is there any player in this draft that you would love to see 
playing with a superstar, so like a LeBron, Giannis, KD, any of those types? So someone who's probably going to be maximized playing off the ball. Hmm. I think that a guy like – I think a guy like – here's one. Trey Mann from Florida, he's kind of this weird combo guard where – he can maybe be a point guard in your second unit, but I wouldn't necessarily trust him to be the point guard in a first unit, but he's a really good shooter and knows how to play the game and pass. So if you put him next to a superstar like a LeBron or Giannis or Jason Tatum, et cetera, like that's a guy that could play with the starting lineup as an off ball guy. And then maybe transition into a bench role uh, with the second lineup and man's projected to go in the twenties, which is when those really good teams are picking. So Trey man is a name I'm looking for a good team to take and kind of maximize his value. Okay. And then I want to talk about Oklahoma city for a second, because they have three picks in this draft, six, 16 and 18. And I kind of, what I kind of just want to know is, do you see this as a draft where they should look to move up and get one of the top five guys, or should they try to make a pick at all those spots? Is, it, is this a deep draft or is it top heavy? What's just kind of the deal in your eyes? Yeah, I think it's I think it's fascinating uh, what Oklahoma State is going to or Oklahoma City is going to do in this draft because they have not only do they have three first round picks this year, but they have like a million picks over the next seven drafts. So if they really did want to move up, they could throw a bunch of future picks as well as some of their picks this season to move up. And I do think the draft is I'd say it's a clear top four of Cunningham, Green, Mobley, and Suggs. And for me. It's, it's kind of actually a top three. I think Suggs is a tier, or I think Green is a tier above um, Suggs. So if Houston or Oklahoma City was interested in shopping that pick, then I think it would be interesting if Oklahoma City would throw a bunch of picks together at, at, at those teams. Um, but if not, if they do stay at six, I think James Booknight would be a really good fit for them. He's a dynamic scoring guard out of UConn who, and you guys saw him play against Maryland. You guys probably didn't think he was all that. Uh, since the Turks beat UConn. But Book Knight's an electric scoring guard that would pair well with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. But I do think it would be in their interest to move up because I don't think they need all those picks. And if you can get a Green or Mobley or Cunningham, I think that alters the direction of your franchise. Yeah, so um, you talked about Mobley a couple times there. Can you kind of tell me what your stance is on him too? Because I don't know necessarily, but he felt like he was kind of a high riser with his tournament play, and now he's, he's supposed to go right after Cade. What is the, your opinion on Mobley as a big man? Yeah, I, Mobley, you look at some of the guys that have helped win NBA championships the last two seasons, Giannis and Anthony Davis. And those are these modern bigs who can protect the rim. You can kind of run offense through them at the wing. They can shoot a bit. And I think Mobley has a lot of those skills or at least has shown flashes of them right now. He is just a terrific athlete for a seven-footer. He does so many things well. I think in a lot of normal drafts, Evan Mobley would be the first pick. I just think Cade Cunningham is that good. So Mobley is one of the better number two picks we've seen in years and or, or top or no, prospects we've seen in years. And it doesn't sound like Houston totally wants him for whatever reason. You know, I think Jalen Green's really good as well. But Mobley's definitely a guy who, like you said, helped himself in the tournament and I think is a pretty special big man prospect. And you've talked about the big name prospects as Cade and Green and Mobley. Who, who do you see as your sleeper pick of this draft? So I think the guy I'm highest on, higher on than most compared to the consensus is Joel Ayayi from Gonzaga. Kind of an, under, an underrated role player. You know, he's not, 
he's not someone that put up huge statistics. He put up huge stats in college. He didn't dominate the ball, but he's a six-five guard that can do a little bit of everything. He was one of Gonzaga's best rebounders. I think he's the best cutter in this draft. He defends. He can shoot a bit. So I think Ayai is a guy that you can plug into any system in any team, and he does enough little things well and has enough size and length that he's really going to help a team out. Uh, another name I love that isn't super well known is Jason Preston from Ohio. He snuck into the thir- the sorry the late twenties in my last big board, and he's a guy who was another March Madness riser. Uh, he's a six four point guard, terrific passer. He sees the floor really well. He can shoot, and he, he he's a guy. He's skinny right now, but he went to Ohio, and I can't imagine that Ohio's weight program is top notch. So he's a guy you put him in an NBA weight program. I think he'll add the size he needs, and um, he will become a really good player. So I'd say Preston and Ayai are the two guys I really like. Okay, and just talking about some sleepers, just I have to ask as a Maryland guy, should I expect to see Wiggins come off the board? Should I expect him to kind of go undrafted and have to make his way there? I know you'd have a better answer for me than the one that's in my head. And then I want to know about that, but I also want to know about Io. So you can tell me about both of them. That'd be awesome. Yeah, so I mean, a lot. once you get into the 50s in the NBA draft, it's not necessarily about like who is the 50th best player. A lot of times agencies don't want their guys getting picked so they can kind of choose their undrafted free agent spot. So if Wiggins doesn't get picked, it wasn't mean a team didn't want him. Maybe his agency wanted to t- put him somewhere else. Uh, he'll definitely be on a two-way contract. He helped himself a ton at the G League Elite Camp and NBA Combine. Like he, he's, he's probably going to start in the G League, but like we've seen with him over the years, he has the body of a NBA player. So if he can just kind of become a more consistent shooter, he has a chance. I have him in the mid-60s right now. Is kind of on the cusp of somebody I would draft, and I think that's how NBA teams view him. Okay, absolutely. And then, so for your guy at Illinois, Io, what's the, where's he falling at right now? Io's an interesting spot because in, this draft is pretty deep on these kind of combo guards that are can play a little point, can play a little two guard, and there's just a mix of them in the twenties. And so I, I've heard that teams are interested in Io at number, or the Clippers are interested in him at number twenty-five, and that's probably his best chance to go in the first round. If he goes past 25, then the Bucks at 31 have expressed interest, as well as the Magic at 33 and Oklahoma City at 34. So I think Iowa will probably end up as an early second-round prospect, and that's where I have him graded out as. But I, I think Iowa will end up as an early second-round prospect if the Clippers don't take him at 25. Okay. And then we've talked a lot about, like, the good prospects and things like that. Is there any names out there? that maybe they're projected to go high or maybe somewhere early in the first round that you're not quite sold on? Is there anybody out there like that? Yeah, so uh, Turkish big man Alperin Sengun is, I've seen him mocked anywhere from like eight to 13. He kind of seems set to be a lottery pick and he was number 24 on my board. So that was probably my biggest disagreement. Uh, he's he's an old school big, you know, he, he plays in the post. He's, he's a post up player. Can't really shoot from three yet. He does know how to pass, but and he's also undersized at only six nine. So I think teams are hoping he's a shorter Ennis Cantor. I, I I think that's the hope with him. But why would I draft shorter Ennis Cantor in in the top ten? Like that's just that just doesn't seem like a useful player to me. So Alperin Shengun is maybe the one name I 
I don't really agree with who's probably going to go lottery. And then this is kind of surprising, and it hurts because I love him so much as a college basketball player, but Baylor's Davion Mitchell seems to be poised to be a lottery pick, and he was incredible in college, but he's going to be 20 – he'll be 23 by the start of his NBA career. And the track record of lottery picks that are 23 years or older is just not great. He was a little undersized. He, do, he does have his strengths. He's, he's a good defender. He's, he's really fast. He was a good shooter last year. Historically, he hasn't been, so – I'm a little skeptical to buy in completely, but I just have a hard time drafting a 6'1 guard who's 23 years old in the lottery. So he's 21 on my board. So what is draft night going to look like for you? Do you typically have a, you know, party or what? <laughs> no, I, I, I lock in. Like I, maybe, yeah. if, maybe if I have a friend around or a roommate around, I'll hang out with him. This year it'll be just me, but I'm going to lock in. Uh, I am one of those guys who likes to see the pick early. So I do have my Woj and Shams notifications on and I let them spoil it, but I'll tweet out live thoughts during it. And then once the draft wraps up or maybe even in the second round, I'll probably write about five of my favorite picks from a, a team, uh, like a team fit perspective. But yeah, draft night's one of my favorite nights of the year. Absolutely. And I want to, I want to shift for a second. Um, are you, are you a Bulls guy since you're from? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I'm a Bulls fan. So they don't have a pick in the first round. Are you looking for them to make any any noise during the draft? Like, what are you as a as a Bulls guy looking for from them? So there are some really good prospects that I think could fall out of the first round. If there's a guy they really love that who's available at 32 or 33, I think that they're certainly um, they're, they certainly could move up. But at 38, they're not in a terrible spot. I do think. Like on my board, I have 42 players listed as like guys I think are NBA players. Like I, they will play in the league. So I think they're in position to land an NBA player. Ayayi, who I mentioned earlier, is a guy who could slip to them there. Jason Preston. Uh, if they want to take a draft and stash, I like this French wing, Juhan Bejerin. Or if they want a shooter, I like Joe Wieskamp from Iowa. So I think they'll probably look to add a rotational player at 38. But I would be curious if there's a player they love who slipped to the early second round would they trade up and what kind of assets would they look to trade up? Gotcha. And then, so that's really, that's really all the, the top heavy draft questions. Is there anything that you found like doing all your scouting and all your prospect just watching? I've seen you doing it all on Twitter. I've seen everything you've put out so far. Has there anybody that's, that's been just going crazy in your eyes since like you started looking at his film, anybody you're excited to see get drafted? Yeah, uh, I would say Virginia's Trey Murphy has kind of been the biggest riser for me. He's a guy who, so one of my high school teammates played at, went to Rice University to play basketball. And so I go to watch Rice play my freshman and sophomore year. And Trey Murphy was on Rice at the time. And he was 6'4 as a freshman and he's 6'9 now. So I'm just kind of watching him grow throughout the years. And by the time I saw him in February of his sophomore year, I was like, okay, th this guy is way too good for Conference USA. He needs to go to a major conference. And then he did go to a major conference and he played well in Virginia, but I was kind of initially hesitant uh, to buy into him. Like he's he's six nine, shot over 40% from three and dunked the ball 25 times this year, but he just didn't do a ton off the dribble. So I was like, I don't know how value th valuable that is, but at the end of the day, if you're six nine and you're athletic and you shoot, there's a role for you in the league. I think he compares to Cam Johnson of the Phoenix Suns. That's my, that's my player comp. Um, and so I think that, I think with Murphy, you're, I think with Murphy, you're looking, he all of a sudden, he was 
not a prospect at all a calendar year ago. I've seen him mocked as high as 15 to the Washington Wizards, 16 to Oklahoma City, 17 to, uh, I guess it's, it's not Memphis anymore. They traded the pick. Mm-hmm. It is, oh. It's New Orleans now. So I think Murphy can easily go on 15 to 17 after not being a prospect for a year. And for me, that's cool to see because I saw him play live as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then just to kind of, kind of backtrack a little bit, how was – were the NBA playoffs an enjoyable time for you? Because I know I had a lot of fun just as a basketball fan, just watching a lot of great basketball. What was it like for you? It was a, definitely a bummer that so many great players got hurt. You know, I, I, that to me, like, it definitely put a damper on it. I, but I'm – like you guys, I love basketball, though, so I enjoyed it. And Milwaukee Phoenix was a – it was a really good series. Like, in terms of the back and forth, the close games, the moments, the legendary performance, performance we got from Giannis, it was a great series. It just felt like a little bit that it didn't feel like a finals because I didn't think those were the two best teams. Yeah. You know, I felt like – so, it, like, it was awesome and I enjoyed it and I tried to live in the moment, mm-hmm. but – I was a little disappointed because I really wanted to see the Nets and the Lakers. I think those were the two best teams. Had they both been healthy, healthy, I think they would have gotten there. So I was a little disappointed, but in the moment, I loved it. It was a great series. Yeah, well, just – okay, you, you said that. Just for um, – what do you remember what you were doing, where you were watching when uh, the Bucks and the Nets played that game seven and Katie's foot was on the line? What was yeah, that going through your yeah, head? Yeah, I was, I was at a buddy's house um, – and I was just, just just watching the game, didn't really have rooting interest, just enjoying a game. I mean, KD's performance the whole fourth quarter, like, is that's the one thing I love about the NBA is that you can hop on Twitter in a big playoff game and you get so many great live reactions and funny memes. Um, and, yeah, like, when KD hit that shot, I initially thought it was game, but just the foot on the line. And, that was, like, that was a great moment. And I, Durant was unbelievable this playoffs and – I, like, I'm not someone who's anti-super team. I just like to watch good basketball. So I hope we can see the Nets at full strength next year. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, if they're going to be together, they might as well be at full strength. But exactly. uh, we were we were watching – I was watching at everybody's house at least too, and we put on uh, Father Stretch My Hands part one yeah. <laughs> right, as, right as it was about to happen, and he hit the shot on the beat drop. It went crazy, and then everybody realized it was a two. So it kind of just took out, like, the air out of the room. With that being said, let me shift back. I do have one more question on my list, and I kind of just want to – I want to uh, gather your opinion on it, is recently the name, image, and likeness agreement's been coming out and coming into fruition, providing athletes with the, the avenue to profit off of themselves. Do you have a take on it? And if you do, do you think it will alter the college basketball landscape as we know it right now? It's hard for me to say long-term how it will impact the college landscape. I think just like everybody else, I'm kind of in the dark about it. I'm kind of waiting to see what happens. I do think the one thing that will play into effect with this is I think more guys will be – well, more guys will return to college now as opposed to just chasing a G League contract. Like if you know you're for sure not getting drafted and you're a, like a low chance of getting a two-way contract, that means you're also probably a really good college player. So you'll probably make a ton of money off of NIL – and I don't think before, I think before those kind of fringy, not really NBA player guys would just go start the professional careers. So I think from a college perspective, it'll help the game because you have really talented players coming back. I look at Illinois and Kofi Coburn was 100% in the draft, 100% going to stay in, even though I think everyone knew he wasn't going to get picked. But then once NIL passed, I think he realized financially it was a really good opportunity for him to come back. So I think college basketball will improve 
uh, in terms of level of play, because I think we'll have more veteran and better players. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. But so like, that's like, that's really all I have for my list of questions just before we kind of let you get out of here. Um, is there any players or any teams picking at certain spots that we didn't hit on that you're really excited to see play out? Anything like that? Yeah. The team I have my eye on is the Knicks. They have two picks at 19 and 21. And I don't know if you're a Knicks fan, I'm not sure exactly how you feel about how the season ended. Like on one hand, you made the playoffs and you weren't supposed to, and that's a really good thing, but they're also really far away from a title contender. And so I think they'll look to get some playmaking or a lead guard in that range. I look at guys like Baylor's Jared Butler, Auburn Sharif Cooper, and Florida's Trey Mann is guys they could add there. And with that second pick, like, then are you going to swing for upside because you want to improve your ceiling? Or do you just want to get better right now and take a more veteran guy? So the Knicks, for me, are interesting. And then the Los Angeles Lakers, they're always interesting. You know, they're, they got LeBron, you got AD, you're coming off a playoff loss. Every, every superstar is rumored to be, like, interested in them. So are they going to keep that pick? Are they going to trade that pick? And my guy, Taylor Horton Tucker, are they going to look to trade Kuzma? Like what, what they do with that pick, whether they use it or they trade it, is interesting to me as well. Absolutely. And I just thought of three lightning rounders to get you out of here on. I've got okay. three for you and then nothing else. One, who is your pick to win the NBA title next year? Two, where does Chris Paul play next season? And three, what do you think about USA basketball right now? Uh, Brooklyn Nets winning the title next year. I think, I think they'll get all three guys healthy. And I just think when you have those three guys in the court, it doesn't matter. I think Chris Paul will play in Phoenix next year, whether he opts into his huge contract or he opts out and they feel kind of obligated to overpay for him because what he did for them. So I'll say Phoenix. And then I admittedly haven't watched a ton of USA. Uh, it's just, it's on too late at night. But, I mean, I've been reading up with it. I don't, I don't like the way their roster was constructed. They only have one point guard, and they, I, they rely too much on perimeter shooting. That being said, they should still be winning these games. Like, that's not an excuse. But I think they'll probably get the gold. I just think they're too talented. But, like, it wouldn't stun me at this point if they didn't. Brandon Simberg, uh, who are you working for now? Busting brackets I see online a lot. Anybody else I should shout out? Yeah, all my draft content can be seen at bustingbrackets.com. Uh, that's, that's, I have multiple articles up there from this draft cycle if you want to read anything new, read anything old. And then I cover Illinois sports for the Daily Illini. Haven't done a, much, haven't done a ton, of, ton of that this offseason because, you know, it's college sports offseason, but I'll be picking that up in the fall. Like I said, once again, Brandon Simberg, thank you for joining us. Thank you for educating us and getting us in the know before this draft on Thursday. Always a good time. Appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, fellas. Yeah, have a great night, man. Thank you again. All right, cool. That was awesome. Thanks. No more parties in LA. Please, baby, no more parties in LA. All righty, so back on the other side of that interview with Brandon, a great, great interview. Thanks again to him for coming on and our first ever recurring guest. Doesn't that feel good, man? That's awesome. It just feels good. It was good to talk to him, good to catch up, good to see what he's been up to. And like I said, he taught us a lot about the draft that I didn't know before we talked to him. So always good. Let's talk about one thing, and then I want to shift towards something more fun to wrap up our show for tonight. Texas and Oklahoma this week agreed to move to the SEC from the Big 12 Conference. That move should take effect, I believe, in either 2024 or 2025, but it's big news right now because it just is. They're going to the SEC. What is your opinion on that? I mean, it's definitely for money. 
I, I don't really know how to feel about it because, well, Texas is going to get slammed in football. I think if they, so. If they're getting I destroyed so. against teams like this Maryland. This is a horns-down podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this is a horns-down podcast. Um, I don't know. Like, football-wise, so I don't really – I can't say much about basketball-wise because I don't watch a whole lot of teams in college basketball. But, like, college football-wise – it just doesn't feel like a good – I mean, obviously it's a good move for the program money-wise and all that, and you know. But, like, team-wise, I don't really know how it will be for Oklahoma because I know you were saying, like, prospects, like NFL prospects. Yeah, well, just a lot what, I, what I had SEC. heard on somewhere else I was listening or something on ESPN was just that SEC is kind of just churning out NFL-ready players, and guys want to play in the SEC. Yeah. So that's a – it's a – Another chip for you to add in your recruiting I mean, process. You know what I mean? I agree with that, but I don't at the same time. I think it's more about teams. Like, for the SEC, it's always Alabama, LSU, those type of teams. I mean, Oklahoma, I feel like they bring out a lot of guides regardless. So it's like, I don't know. It, I, don't, I mean, I think it hurts your chance of making it to the college football playoff at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I don't know, but it all starts, it all falls back to the college playoff expanding to eight teams. Changes yeah, but everything. regardless, like, I mean – all right, so even with eight teams, all it takes is two losses and you're out. Yeah. For the top eight, you know what I mean. So like, and if you're playing in the SEC, if they're playing Bama, and you know teams like that, it's just like I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Not not a lot to know about yeah. it right now, but worth noting some big news. Like I said, let's let's shift, let's do this, and let's wrap up our show. I kind of have NBA draft is this week. Let's do kind of a fun thing. Uh, I was doing this last night with a buddy. We were just hanging out, and it was really fun to do. So I said, let's bring it to the pod. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to be the GM of the Detroit Pistons, who have the number one overall pick right. in the 2021 NFL. In the 2021 NBA draft, I want you to call me up. I want you to give me some offers. You, you want my pick, and I want to know who you're going to give me for my pick. So let's start. I'm just chilling at my desk. You better call me up. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is uh, Logan Hill, GM of the Detroit Pistons, the bad boys. Uh, what, what's this call in reference to, and who am I speaking with? <laughs> Uh, Tyler Kirk, I am trying to obtain your number one overall pick. Okay, what organization are you representing right now, Mr. Kirk? Uh, the Tyler Kirk organization. I'd like to offer Logan Hill and a bag of chips for the number one pick. <laughs> now I'm just playing. Um, so I'm the GM of the Golden State Warriors. Okay. I'd like to offer you the 14th and 16th overall pick in the 2021 draft. That's not going to do it for me. I'll I didn't finish yet, Cody. Okay. okay. All right. And Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, and a 2022 unprotected first-round pick. Can I have Steph? No. What about Clay Thompson? No. Draymond? Possibly. Let's throw Draymond in the deal, and maybe I'll think about it. I got some other offers. I got some other phones on the line. But right now I'm thinking 14-16 Wiggins, Oubre, and Draymond. Maybe that 22 first. Maybe a couple extra second-round picks. Maybe we can talk. Maybe we can get it done. That being said, I got another call coming in. Hi, this is Logan Hill, GM of the Detroit Bad Boy Pistons. Uh, who am I speaking with? Tyler Kirk, GM of the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's crazy. You sound just like the guy I just got off the phone with with the Warriors. Oh, that's weird, man. Go ahead. Uh, what are you What are you calling me for? Uh, I'm trying to obtain your number one overall pick. Oh, you mean the, the number one overall pick in, in Thursday night's draft? Uh, you're going to have to offer me something pretty good for it. What do you got? All right. Would you take the sixth? No. 
my God. Restart, sixth, buddy. That's not a, not a good way to get this deal sixth, going. The 16th and 18th overall pick in this year's draft, along with a 2023 top 10 protected first-round pick. So let, let me just get this straight. You want me to give you number one for three picks outside of the top five, but inside the top 20, worth noting, and then maybe maybe another first-round pick? All right, hold on, hold on. Okay. Let me let me counter that. Well, not counter, but I'll add another another player or a player to this. I want Shay. Well, no, but I have someone that you want more. Lou Dort. Lou Dort. Ah. James Harden stopper. Come on. I got one. Resist. I got one more call you to make. But I got one more call to make. But I will. I will get back to you <laughs> on that one, buddy. Hello, this is Logan Hill, GM of the Bad Boy Detroit Pistons. Uh, who are you, and what is this call in reference to? Tyler Kirk, uh, GM of the Los Angeles Lakers. They need to get some new GMs in this league, man. You all sound the same. How can I help you? <laughs> all right. We want the first overall pick. The Lakers? Yes. You guys want my number one overall yes. pick? The City of Champions? Haven't y'all won enough? No. I'm sorry. I'll hear you out. What can I do you for? All right. 22 overall pick. Okay. Kyle Kuzma. No. Andre Drummond. Hey, back to Detroit. Bring him home. <laughs> what else you got? 2024 first round pick. What? Who would I be able to get with that one? And LeBron James. LeBron. And and listen, hear me out. Okay. The twenty twenty four overall pick, first round pick. You can get Bronny James with team up Bron and his son. Yep. For Cade. Hmm. Okay. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> give me a second. I'm gonna have to call you back. I got to mull these offers. I, I, I'm I'm gonna give you a call. Give me a minute. Parties in LA. Please, baby, no more parties in LA. Bring, bring. <laughs> Hello, this is Logan Hill, GM of the Detroit Bad Boy Pistons, and I just want to let you know, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, I've decided that we might be able to make that deal happen. I really <laughs> fell in love with Lou Dort coming out I of college. You resist. I couldn't resist. All those picks sound good, but listen, listen, I'm going to need like Five or six second round picks. Just give them to me. All right, and, fair enough. And you can have Cade make him the hometown kid, Oklahoma right. State, Oklahoma City. You got him. Let's get the deal done. You got All him. right. First overall pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder, but Detroit's getting Lou Dort, baby. <laughs> and that'll do it for this. Let me throw another sound in there. No more parties in LA. Please, baby, no more parties in LA. That All was right. the same sound. <laughs> I know. So that was pretty fun. If you can't tell, we don't have a very. Mixed soundboard right now. I only got a couple of sounds. We got our intro, our outro, and then some weird sounds I got to play with. But it is what it is. That being said, it's been a pretty good show. I've, I've learned a lot. I've had a great time making tonight's show. Let's do some Top of the Hill takes, unless you have any other sports news for me that you don't think we got to tonight. I don't think so. I think we did a pretty good job tonight with NBA draft coming up and that NFL news exploding. Time for some Top of the Hill takes. Would you like to go first or should I? You. You want I mean, me to go all, first? Yeah. All right. So I'm going to... I'm going to – there will be a major trade in the top three picks of the draft, whether it's Houston. Who's at three? I should know this. But whoever – Houston, I've heard, like, might want to get out of that pick uh, technically. It's Cleveland. Cleveland. Number three. So Cleveland, they could trade back and get LeBron to come home. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I just think that there will be a major trade in the top three. I think Detroit's going to – we just did that fun little exercise, but I think Detroit's going to make the right call and pick Cade Cunningham. So, two and three, keep your eyes out. There could be a major trade that happens there. That's my top of the hill take. All right, fair enough. Um, my top of the hill take is going to be that a top five projected pick, so 
the top five I'm looking at right now is Cade, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, and Scotty Barnes. I say that one of them falls out of the top five, top twelve. Top twelve. So yeah. just could still end up in the lottery, but not yes. high up in it. I don't mind that pick. I don't mind that top of the hill take. That being said, that's pretty much our show this week. Hopefully you guys got ready for the draft. Hopefully you learned something. Hopefully you had some fun listening to us chop it up here in the studio. We'll be back ideally sometime next week with another show. I have a couple of good guests lined up moving forward, so hopefully we can get another good interview in there for you. But that being said, that does it for us on this week's Top of the Hill. Thank you.